So I like that there's a cover of VHS that has nothing to do with the film, but mm-hmm. what I will always picture every time I hear this film mm-hmm. is the, like a disembodied hand, like ringing oh, yeah. the doorbell. That's all I Which you don't I see in the movie no. ever. It's Mm-mm. just like, you know what would be... There is a disembodied hand, though. There is, but never ringing the doorbell, and yeah. it doesn't look like the hand on that artwork. So. No, but it's great artwork. Like, this is what we got. This is what we did the poster before the movie even, like, I think that's definitely. Filmed. I think that's definitely the deal. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, which meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror section of our local video store in our quest to survive and to ensure we end up as the final girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking them down one by one, geeking out about all of the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Marion and Julia, come on down! It's time to talk about house! You lucky people! (laughs) Hi! <laughs> hey he's guys. recording. You know he's recording. I know he is. <laughs> Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. Uh, we are the first p- podcast from Indie Popcorn, recording here at the Circus. I'm Julia. I'm Marion, and uh, this is episode 24. We will be talking about 1985's House. 86. I thought it's 85. I think it's 85. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Julia knows, and I don't know no, anything. No, wait. Hang on. Let's double check that old IMDb. Okay. 85. Oh, okay. I definitely did not write down the title of this episode. I fail. Um, oh, you know what the title of this episode is? No. It's me, the grocery boy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sad I forgot about this title. I'm excited about this it's title. It's a great title. Uh, the, this is the first character that we see is, is a grocery boy coming in um, into a house. To a house. After a series of like very long steady cam shots mm-hmm. that's like, hey, here's the house from the front and the side and the back and the porch. But and they're, the all, they're the all negative. They're all, it's all ne- like they've all reversed it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So it looks kind of creepy. But I, what I enjoy is that the, about the introduction of the grocery board beyond this outstanding line is the fact that when the steady cam shot comes down the driveway and rounds the corner, he's pulling up in his little Vespa. Mm-hmm. And as he turns the corner, he like hits the curb. And I think he does it accidentally. Like it kind of jolts forward a little extra and he kind of hits it kind of hard but it's like okay look the shot's been going for a minute we can't stop it now and so he just like parks it and keeps going but i swear that's a mistake and we got that we got that yeah it was definitely it worked that worked uh Um, so he he goes up the doors unlocked and he comes in calling mrs hooper mrs hooper uh and then finally just calls out it's me the grocery boy (laughs) which is just clearly his character's name and like if a grocery boy knows you well enough to go into your house, right. he, you probably know his name. And he also is like, oh, don't worry about the money. I'll get it next week, you know, because he thinks like all is not well and right. he should leave. But again, like you don't you don't have a name like Steve or no. Ralph. Yeah, or, you don't say John Johnny the the, the, the grocery no, boy. No, yeah, no, it's me, Johnny the grocery boy. No, it's just me, the, the grocery, grocery boy. boy. <laughs> like, okay, movie, here we go. But it does get points for having um, a really gnarly hanged old lady and like Jeez. really early on in this film. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like done intentionally. We're going to have this ridiculous BS line, but then also really gross, like yeah. hanging old lady. And then the grocery boy sees that and it's like, bye. So this uh, this film is made kind of by like uh, horror royalty, totally. if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the story is by Fred Decker, who we all know and love from Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad, mm-hmm. uh, produced by Sean S. Cunningham, mm-hmm. who produced such awesome films as Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, and one of my personal favorites, The New Kids. <laughs> 
with James Spader as Dutra. God, that is a gem. It's a great film. Someday. Oh, someday. Uh, uh, and then directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3, mm-hmm. um, and then went on to do, what are your favorite films, Mary? We're not talking about Soul Man. Soul Man. We're not talking about Soul Man. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have a podcast where we're talking about uh, so lucky. C. Thomas Howell films, but maybe we should do that next. We no, not talk if we're about, talking about Soul we Man. We watched them all. It's true, but I just, I don't think I have words to talk about that movie. That's oh, Soul Man. Lordy. You, my. Um, um, and uh, this, so the tagline for the film is Ding Dong, You're Dead, which I enjoy as a tagline. Okay, yeah. I mean, the movie's I, called House. So. I like that there's a cover of a VHS that has nothing to do with the film, but mm-hmm. what I will always picture every time I hear this film mm-hmm. is the, like a disembodied hand, like ringing oh, yeah. the doorbell. That's all I Which you don't I see in the movie no. ever. It's Mm-mm. just like, you know what would be? There is a disembodied hand, though. There is, but never ringing the doorbell, and yeah. it doesn't look like the hand on that artwork. So, no, but it's great artwork. Like, this is what we got. This is what we did the poster before the movie even, like, I think that's definitely. Filmed. I think that's definitely the deal. Uh, yeah. This this film did really well, though. Um, it was made for three million. I remember and made that twenty million. Yeah, and I also was shocked to read that it had three sequels. Yeah, three house mm-hmm. two, house three, house four. Mm-hmm. We just keep going. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. There were four of these, and before I watched this, I'd never even heard of these films. So it's like, all right, house series. Um, so the lead of our uh, of this film is William Cat yeah. from Carrie Fame. Yep, uh, he plays Roger. Um, a horror novelist. Horror novelist. Yep. Uh, I do really enjoy the sequence of him when he's doing his book signing, and with they all have the all the, the weirdos coming up. Yeah. Every one of those are cast like yeah. that. Whoever did that central casting, like extras yeah. call, like you knocked it out of the park. No, totally. And I also like too that uh, the way that they do it. It's all the people. It's like Roger's point of view, mm-hmm. where they're all like leaning into the lens and are just like, "When's the next book?" and this and that. And and then Roger's trying not to write more horror stuff. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna write a movie about Vietnam, my Vietnam experience," and I'm like. Oh, uh, okay. We don't know what to say about that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and then Roger's very disappointed because that's definitely the book that he wants to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so you meet Roger and he's sort of a reclusive guy. He's recently divorced um, and he and his wife seem to be, you know, kind of okay. Like she's, she's an actress and so she calls him after one of her awards shows when she doesn't win anything and he pretends to have all the guys over and he's like... That's so oh, sad. Yeah, like lonely, oh, lonely bachelor masquerading. Yeah. yeah, but they 100% still are in love with each other but like they can't be together and so that's sort of the beginning of this and then he has to go to the funeral of his aunt who was the woman hanging um, and I really enjoy... There's, I think, a sort of a small character named Mr. Jones who's at the funeral and so they're doing this sort of cliche funeral scene and the um, priest is like and now a moment of silent prayer and then this man immediately starts talking where he was like the thing about your your aunt is that she was really just really loudly and really you know um and uh he uh basically uh, decides to go take a look at the house by the real estate agent because he had kind of grown up there and uh who works for craven realty by the way I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Really? That's really funny. Uh, the real estate agent is a super weirdo in this yeah. movie. Um, and I mean, the sort of how this movie does horror comedy, because that's what we've sort of been discussing about in the last few podcasts, um, is also in another way. And and part of it is... I told you they all be different. They are they are a lot different. Um, I feel like this one is a little closer to maybe more of the waxwork than uh-huh. some of the other ones. Um, but they definitely have some of these characters that are just kind of outrageously strange Mm -hmm. and the real estate agent is definitely one of them like he's just a huge weirdo he shoots a harpoon at william at william cat's head which almost hits him in an amazing shot yeah Uh uh-huh and then he's like oh uh, sorry yeah that's it 
I almost like impaled your head. And he's like, eh, brush off. And William Cat just has this look like that. I just can't believe that just happened. I can't just. He's going to, we're going to see that look a lot from William Cat. Yeah, this film. you do see that look a lot. And when they're sort of, he's kind of looking around the house and the real estate agent clearly wants to sell the house for like all the money. And William Cat's like, no, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to stay here and do some writing for a while and do, and he doesn't seem happy about it. And we see a flashback while he's touring the property of him losing his son, of his son swimming by the pool. And then all of a sudden his son is gone. And yeah, he, literally losing his son. Literally not, losing his son. Um, and he, he thinks he hears a car drive away, so he runs out into the front, and then he asks his wife, and they haven't seen him, and then he th- he sees his son in the pool again, seeming to drown, and he dives him after him, and the son's not there. And so, you know, the police come in the flashback, and he's like, no, no, he was in the pool, in the pool. And then the crazy aunt who's alive in the flashback is like, it was the house. The house took him. I think it's the house. And, and the, he, he's call, he calls the, do- the, the police to be like, any word on my son? Yeah. And there they say, no. They say, why don't you uh, stop calling Decker at the, the CIA? Yeah. Little, you know, getting little Fred Decker in there. Why not? Um, so that's kind of, you get the sense that, like, that's why they're divorced. That's why he's kind of reclusive. And he's decided that there's actually kind of a lot of flashbacks slash hallucinations yes, in are. this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But that's why he's decided he's going to move into this house, have some solitude, and write his book about his Vietnam experience. He's not going to get that solitude. <laughs> uh, neither from the house nor by his neighbor, good old George Went. <laughs> Which I was kind of really excited when I was like, George went in a horror film. Like, I mean, we, no, we don't see a lot of it. I think he's been in um, he's been in a couple of them. Um, but I, again, I know they're going. This is he was cast for perhaps more of the comedy than the horror side right. of this. Um, but he has my favorite line in this movie, which is um, again, depending on who who the different characters are, George Wentz kind of version of sort of being the comedic foil in this movie is to kind of play it very kind of low-key, just very conversational, just, you know, oh, I'm just kind of your typical nosy neighbor, but he's not over the top. And so when he first meets um, Roger, who comes down the front of his house oh in this deep V sweater. You know what I wrote on mine? What did you Deep write? V sweater. I'm like, I think that's the kind of sweater you're supposed to wear something underneath, Roger. It's like past his breastbone. Yeah. Like, it's like middle of his stomach. Yeah. There's a lot of William Cat body in this film, like yeah. shirt off, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm into it. I mean, it's fine, but I mean, it's ridiculous. That like, sweater's kind of that ridiculous. That sweater's ridiculous. And I wonder if the costume designer told him like wear this with no sweater and he was like, uh, or he was like, this is what I got guys. And they yeah. were like, okay. It's my favorite sweater. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. We're, just, we're not going to say no okay, to that, we'll William Cat. Call action or, yeah, no, totally. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad he, you noticed that too. <laughs> I did too. And I was like, come on with the sweater already. Um, so he comes down in his deep V sweater and, uh, uh, George Went plays Harold, the neighbor, and is introducing, has introduced himself and then says, uh, oh, yeah, the, the woman who lived here before you was nuts. Biggest bitch under the sun. Just a senile old hag, really. Wouldn't have been surprised if someone just got fed up and offed her. She was my aunt. Heart of gold, though. Just a, just a saint, really. Yeah. Um, and I like that, you know, just kind of just go right into it. And um, the, that kind of humor are the parts of this movie where I think it really works, where it's, you know, like it's funny. That situation, that conversation could happen in any movie. Right. But horrible things are about to happen to Roger and have already happened to Roger. Um, but that conversation is just kind of dropped in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like your life doesn't become super serious just because terrible things start happening to you. So, you know, I kind of I kind of like that bit. Can I? Can I say a little a nit per, nitpicky nerd nerd thing that I noticed in this movie that okay. bothered me? Okay. Um, William Cat says aunt and aunt. He, he says, says both? He says both. Interesting. And I was like, mm, I pick one. <laughs> 
nitpicky nerd. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Does he say it when he's just talking about her or when he's saying her name? I can't remember what her name is now. What's her name? Uh, Things we don't know. My, um, my aunt. Sorry. I know. You know what I mean? But is it like, oh, my aunt and then like Aunt Clara? Is it like that? That would be weird anyway. Yeah. Either way, it's weird. So um, so we find out that uh, William – so William Cat's been trying to write his big Vietnam novel mm-hmm. and so he has been – we get him starting to actually write it when he moves into the house and flashbacks of, of we're going to piece together what happened in his in his Vietnam days. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, um, I am I am not into war sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one didn't bother me at all. Because it's like 100% done in a studio yep. and it's like – So fake. Tammy McTamington's over here. Like it's this easy you know like we had to do it um so we just put some shove some plants together and just kind of busted this thing out as yeah. fast as we could uh so he he was uh friends with big ben played by richard mull mm-hmm. who uh it seems like a bit of a wild card probably not the friend you want to have as a buddy in the army <laughs> who's just going to go off on uh, to to walk point is that what they call yeah. it mm-hmm. and uh is just being an ass yeah and, so- and it's just that guy that's like just unafraid of death unafraid to kill unafraid you know who's just the war has made him lose his ever-loving mind so who probably wasn't all there to begin with probably not. And, and now isn't yeah um but he's what's what's I don't so the movie kind of talks about you know we find the aunt dead of seemingly a suicide in the beginning and people at her funeral sort of say like oh she wouldn't have done that oh she wouldn't have so there seems like the house has a deal and right. like and and as he's sort of trying to write this book you know write this book about his experience he has flashbacks of the experience but then he will definitely start seeing things that aren't really there he's he'll turn on the TV and he'll see his wife as on some like terrible soap opera or whatever and where my favorite quote comes <laughs> from go ahead. we both wrote this down because like this is a gem it's so good um his his wife's on a soap opera soap opera called resort and uh you come in on them having him uh, her and a guy having an argument and and he says I can't hide the fact that I've been a male prostitute my entire life. <laughs> My entire life. That's the part that makes it funny to me. Yeah. Because you're like, at five, male prostitute. Male prostitute. My My entire entire life. life. (laughs) That's all it's been. Um, In a bit of an odd sequence. So he he sees, he's watching that sequence, turns it off. Yeah. Then uh, the ghost, uh, seemingly of his dead son, uh, appears in the window and he turns the ghost off with the remote control. Which I was like, I don't know what that is. And I will say, you know, having watched this film a couple of times, um, I don't really get what the house does. Like, I don't fully understand the deal. And so as we're, maybe as we're like having this conversation, this will be like illuminated to me because I don't, even when I thought I understood it, it didn't then make sense why the aunt ended up dead of a suicide that wasn't then a suicide. Okay. Because she says to him, the house is going to get you like it got me and it knows what scares you. So I think that's supposed to be it, but that doesn't really make any sense because then there's like the fish that comes to life on the wall. Is he terrified of that fish? Right. Like we don't, haven't seen that. Or so- he's terrified of the tools in the shed, but he was when he was a kid. But I, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, and, and it was also like, when does it decide to pick on who? Because his son disappeared when his aunt was still alive. So right. it was also tormenting the aunt at that time, but then also it just decided to torment him and steal his son. But not the wife because nothing seemed to ever happen to her. She had no problem with that. Like it was, I just don't, I mean, as we'll talk about it, maybe it'll become clear to me, but I just, as this thing that's going on, I'm like, oh, okay, it's no. Oh, okay. It's no. Like I, I don't know. So he keeps dreaming about, uh, his, the the closet in his aunt's bedroom. And Mm -hmm. then she has a painting that also has, uh, that closet in it. So he, uh, goes into the closet one time, opens the door. Then we have it chiming midnight. Mm -hmm. And when he opens the door again, a horrible monster comes out. Which is like one of these great, like puppet monsters, which I'm all for. The Um, effects in this film are 
bitching. All for it. Like, all of the creature mm-hmm. effects, thumbs up. Yeah, I'm like all for these like great puppet monsters. I'm like just 100%. There is something kind of vaguely Peter Jackson-ish about them. Uh-huh. Um, and I do I, I do really enjoy them. Yes, grotesque, but in a kind of a silly way. Yes, exactly. And and are sort of very exaggerated mm-hmm. and kind of, but still, you know, gross. But I love his reaction towards, you know, it scratches him. He's able to put it back in the closet and close the door. But instead of sort of what would seem normal to like call the police, call a friend, call something. Instead, he orders all this like recording equipment. And so, like, the next shot is, like, next morning, like, a truckload of equipment shows up, and he sets up all these cameras and, like, you know, sort of, like, 1980s, you know, kind of, like, I guess, VHS recorders or whatever, and cameras and all these lights and whatever, and then has a string to open the door, and is dressed back in his, like army stuff from Vietnam and basically is just kind of like waiting is waiting till midnight because he's gonna record it like oh well I'm not gonna call the police because the police won't believe me like nobody will believe me so I have skips to that stuff yeah he just skips it and I've proven my solid Roger solid choice it's some solid thinking I do really like that but I it bothers me and I noticed this uh it never he never he never records it yeah Mm-hmm. But what you bought all that stuff? How do you and you have so many opportunities during this film yeah. to record what's happening? Because mm-hmm. then, like the sequel is just like him being like, "It was totally real, guys. Yeah. Check it out." I'm telling you, yeah, no, I know. Which is, I feel like if he would have, it would have kind of been very poltergeist. Like that's one of the things I like about poltergeist is I feel like people are always thwarted in that moment, and I like that they actually record it. They yeah. got it done. Ghost yeah. captured. Check. Like, you know, but yeah, that, that's not how this and, and, and also it's kind of like as, as a way to beat it, to be like, you look, it's real. And yeah. like, I can prove to everybody that it's real kind right. of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. So it bothered me that he never records it and also that he doesn't finish his book. Oh, um, really? It, I don't know. I'm just like very, inco- it makes me feel very incomplete. But then I think it was, o- it's okay that he didn't finish the book because it seemed like he was only trying to write the book in the first place to like exercise his Vietnam demons. And then and he then... literally exercises his demons. Right. I think okay. this is the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also like enjoy that there's some other practical scares beyond monsters. Um, one of them being he goes into the tool shed to get some stuff and then all the tools like rise out and just start attacking him. Mm-hmm. And I like that they kind of go for him. He's like, yeah, and like goes and shuts the door and they all kind of try and go through the door. And then later he's in the bathroom, and when he opens the bathroom, all the tools are just there, like waiting for him, like floating, <laughs> suspended. And it's it's pretty goofy, it's pretty silly. Um, but there's another one which oh, not, I don't know about money. I don't know about this movie. I feel like whoever did post sound of this movie was like, "Sky's the limit." It's okay. And so one of the inexplicable sounds that you hear in this movie is the swordfish, as Julia mentioned, uh, that's hanging up on the wall, uh, does come to life, like an eye starts following him, and then all of a sudden it starts like flapping around. And when it does, it starts making like a baby noise. It's just like, like why it's in, I'm like, excuse me, say what? And then um, there's sort of this like witch hag thing that you think is his wife. And then it turns into this witch hag. And when he's talking to her, she sounds like a chipmunk. Uh She sounds like one of the female chipmunks. Can you name the female chipmunks? Definitely not. Um, Eleanor, Brittany, and Jeanette. Yeah. See, I couldn't. Yeah. I don't, I don't (laughs) got that. Um, that's, that's not my wheelhouse, but I, um, which, why does she sound like, because I think it's supposed to be the baby noise. It's like the sounds are funny. We're going to have funny sounds. To I'm, make it funny. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because funny movie. I, that bothered me as well. I feel like, no, like the, the, the sound part of this movie is what they're relying on a lot to make it funny, which makes it even makes it less funny. Definitely. Um, in fact, the score done by Harry Manfredini, who's actually done a lot of iconic horror scores, including Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the score in this movie is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. It bothered me. Yeah. I was just like, you're you're killing me with the score. Yeah. Because it's trying so hard for wacky comedy mm-hmm. and making it 
grating yeah. in, a, in a way that so like that for me is like one of the things that like this movie loses points for is like yeah. if you had changed the score and changed the sounds mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a completely different movie mm-hmm. and it really would change the tone a lot yeah because they're they're trying to make tone it with sound which is a yeah. strange choice yeah well it I don't know it just kind of feels like it's sort of one of those choices where you didn't trust it's there yeah like in the script and with the actors and honestly like I feel especially with William Catt and uh, George Went I, I feel like William Catt sort of has this quality that's in a kind of a horror comedy could actually be kind of like Bruce Campbell-ish yeah where like he is kind of especially when things are attacking him he's just like you know when he uh, has to like bury the hag mm-hmm. and like his hot neighbor is trying to have a conversation with him and like the hag is trying to come back to life that whole thing um, and some other elements in this movie felt very Evil Dead 2 to me oh yeah and I feel like and I'm like, oh yeah. So he does have that kind of quality. Like he definitely can be a straight actor, but he has the the kind of quality where he can play both of that. And like he's got it. Like yeah. it's good. And I feel like George Went is delivering sort of these dry one liners. Like yeah, all right, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. kind of humor. So it's like you you got it, movie. You're all right. And then you felt you very much feel like the interruption of inexplicable baby noises coming from the fish or right. hag with chipmunk voice or I don't know. And it just seems kind of unnecessary well i i i really think that like if because i was thinking about because we have a character who's you know post vietnam and i was thinking about jacob's ladder and i was like the thing that jacob's ladder gets so right about it is it's not it's not funny that it's Mm -hmm. so serious and Mm -hmm. that you know they're taking the war just as seriously as they're taking these ghosts and stuff Mm -hmm. and i feel like if this movie had done that Mm -hmm. it would succeed so do you think it's kind of like what I was talking about, Waxwork, um, the a couple of podcasts down. back? Really? Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. feel like the comedy is a bad choice for this film. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you really have a character who's going through not only being a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. but also losing his son, yeah. literally just disappears into a pool. Yeah. And then his, you know, divorces his wife and then his aunt kills herself and everything's going yeah. on funny. And like you would, if you're really feeling like, is he going crazy? Like, is William Cat going crazy? Because you have all of these factors that mm-hmm. lead up to it. But when you have it be so goofy, like, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. weighted and it doesn't feel real. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not, re- I don't really, I don't really feel care. like, I don't really feel like he, it's as, like, serious as it needs to be. And interestingly, I think you could still remove those elements of it and still keep the George Went character yes. and the way in which he approaches the comedy. You can still fine. have that line that I told you about, that quote. For where sure. it was, you know? And so you can still kind of have this sort of sly... You know, which I think Tim Robbins does in Jacob's Ladder, where he'll have, you know, kind of conversations that are sort of sweet and maybe goofy or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But I feel like, I mean, I think William Cat's a good actor, but there's that scene where he shoots his wife with the shotgun. Right. And, you know, he's, you know, really sad and picks her up and hides her and whatever. And But because of everything that kind of came before it, like it didn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, I think it was supposed to be like a moment of like seriousness in this film. And you're like... Nope. Like, yeah, it's weird. Sorry. I, it, and he goes and puts her in the closet for uh, to what reason? I don't know what that's about. I, I don't know. And then is pretending to polish the shotgun when the cops show up, and it's very. And then it's like hide the body, wacky, whatever. But I'm right. like, he was literally just doing the like cry over. I killed my wife, who I'm still in love with. You know, I, you know, it's like tonally, it's all over the place. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do, movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're asking of me as an audience yeah. member. You know, I know, I agree. Um, I feel like it, it, it needed to pick one or the other, not but not both. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, interestingly, like if if you completely re-edited this film mm-hmm. and did completely oh, different you could sound, do it? you could do it and you could ah, make it work because you had the performances are there. Yeah, the story's there. Uh-huh. Like it's all there. It just put together weirdly. Yeah, and also like the you know we were talking about in um. 
sort of, I, I think another podcast about um, these like sort of wacky music montages that right. like horror comedies must have after he like the, he kills the hag witch or whatever. And like Linda Ronstance, you're no good comes in and that's the song he uses to bury her. Uh-huh. And then like hot neighbor shows up, hot neighbor leaves dedicated to the one I love by the Shirelles comes and you know, you're like, you know, we get it movie. We're already there. We get it. We gotcha. Like right. I don't, it's just so over the top with all that. Like, Again, to what end, I'm not really sure. Just got to make sure you're having fun. Hope you're having fun because here's some songs for you to have fun with. I don't know. It's kind of strange. I don't know. I know that, you know, so this is a story by Fred Decker. So I'm wondering, like, what was the story he laid out and how did they get turned into a screenplay? I wonder if his story is serious and the screenplay is where the comedy came but in. All, but Fred Decker always does. I mean, Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad are both horror comedies. Yeah, but they're not this kind of horror comedy. Like, I don't think they're so... You know what Wacky. I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I just have some serious doubts that Fred Decker was like, insert Linda Ronstadt, you know, right. song here. I just don't think that happened. Um, but uh, so event, so basically uh, the hot neighbor, Tanya, comes by later and uh, enlists Roger to watch her kid um, Which is strange. Bit. Like, would you really just trust some random dude you just met to be like watching your three-year-old kid? But that's the wacky world this movie okay, is. Okay, I'm sorry. Wacky I'm sorry. world. It's wacky. See, it's all we wacky. discuss geeky minutia. This is what we do. So this is how it goes. Um, you break down character motivations that nobody ever thought about yeah. at all. But I think we're supposed to sort of be like, oh, he's going to have flashbacks to his own son. It's about the same age. He's 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 careless with that kid, I will say. And it's like, yeah. your son disappeared in this house. I know. And you happen to know that there are things going on in this house. Eh, just let him sleep over there. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're getting sucked into a chimney? Whoops. I took my eye off you for a second. Yeah. Um, so he drags him out back out of the chimney, saves him out of the chimney, um, and then, you know, gives him a bath, cleans him all up, and then the mom comes back and they're like, okay, off you go. Hey, what was that for? Mm. What was what was that? What was all that for? What was that for? What was that 15 minutes for? Nope. Couldn't tell you. Don't know. Yeah. Um, unclear. Um, but eventually it gets to the point where he opens, like he figures out there's like a portal in the medicine cabinet, and through the portal... It's like a dark, a vast, dark expanse. I like, I like the void. Which I do. And this is where it gets a little Evil Dead again to me, is, um, or Evil Dead 2 rather, is he takes the rope to go down and he has the shotgun and then this weird like skull head bat pterodactyl kind of creature comes and it's stop motion and it takes the gun from him and shoots his rope. And he's like a sharpshooter though. He totally. like flips like, the gun <laughs> around <laughs> and like... But that felt very Evil Dead yeah. 2 to me. And I'm like, and if that was the direction this movie was going... You know, where it's a little dead alive, it's a little like the zombie creatures are sort of badasses or whatever. You're like, okay. But that's just like a one-off. It's like a one and done -er, Mm -hmm. you know? So he falls back and he lands in his Vietnam flashback again. And I love the guy who smokes pot in Vietnam. Yeah, totally. He's got like his little like necklace that's just like, well, can you imagine being high in Vietnam? I mean... That's the worst idea of all time. Yeah, I mean... Yowza. Jesus. I never thought of that before. That just blew my mind. That's not a good trip. That's the most horrifying thing I can think of. Yeah. Thank you. Um, But then you kind of... I, it, it, there's there's a lot of stuff with Richard Mall's character, Ben. So you're like, okay, something's going to happen here. Something's going to happen here. And what happens is when they're on patrol, uh, Ben gets shot and he wants Roger to kill him like before the Viet Cong will come and, you know, take him away or it's just too painful or whatever the deal is. And he can't. And so he doesn't. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go get you help. And then when he leaves, they come and they take him away. And he's like, damn you. I'm going to kill you if the last thing I, you know. I'll get then, you for this. So then that's when I... That's when I was like, Merc? Because I'm like, okay, so the house has really been Ben? It's supposed to be your specific deal, right? 
so that's sure. like this is like he's it's like playing to his specific deal. Quick question about this not killing Richard Mull thing. Okay. Um, they do it. He can't do it because he gives him a knife to slit his throat with. He's got a gun. Yeah. Just shoot him. Yeah. Why can't he just shoot him? Or you could have stabbed him. Or I mean, there was just like a lot of choices. I'm sure they all have grenades on them. But we we turn we turn we uh, Big Ben Richard Mull comes back to avenge his death because apparently the Viet Cong got him and tortured him right. for weeks before they killed him. Right. Fun times for all. Yeah. See, this is why like horror comedy plus POW torture for weeks. It. It's a yeah, hard, it's a hard maybe sell. it's a hard mix. Yeah, um, but I guess that's where I'm confused too because so it was him that I don't know. It's just confusing. It was has it, he been torturing him the entire time? No, I think it's the house has been doing different manifestations, and this is like the ultimate final manifestation uh-huh. of like his worst fear is like this is what's going to happen is like this guy who I couldn't help is going to come back and get me. Uh-huh. So it's like. Kind of in his head, but actually manifested in real life. Right. But it just never, but it never happened until his son was in the house with him that one time. Like that was, that's the sort of the strange thing about it is like, it's, he was like, oh, I kind of grew up in this house. I was here forever. The aunt pro- is totally clued in what's going on. But it seemed like Roger was totally fine with the house until this one time when his like seven-year-old son disappeared. So I'm like, so from the time you got out of Vietnam till when your kid was seven, nothing happened to you in this house. And it never happened when he was growing up in that house? And nothing ever happened to the wife? Like you mm. would think like right after you got married, why not just take her? That'd be pretty bad. Nope, not going to do that. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, kind of like we we're talking about the Frighteners. I was fine with the idea of the mechanism being like, well, when you go through a traumatic experience, I can now see ghosts. That's it's as simple as that. I'm fine with it being simple. It just needs to be understood. Right. Whatever it is. So yeah, if it's like, oh, the house always will manifest your worst fear. And if Roger's like my whole life, yeah. I've always had these kind of unease or these different weird visions or whatever, fair play. Or the wife's like, yeah, I was never super into that house, you know, like fair play. But it seemed like nothing until his kid got kidnapped. Right. But he, he manages to find his kid in, he does. in the void in a Viet Cong-like cage sure. made of bamboo. Okay. okay. Um, bring the kids back out. Yay, mm-hmm. kids back. Um, and then Big Bad comes. Um, mm-hmm. And then, again, in another like careless move, he has his kid, finally got his kid back, mm-hmm. who's missing forever, mm-hmm. and then is like, go out and find help. Yeah. I'm like, hmm? But you would not let that kid out of your sight for the rest of your life. No, totally. But they also definitely do the kind of Nightmare on Elm Street thing where he's like, but only if I believe you have power, do you have power? You have no power. Which is, okay. This Which is, I get, like, confront your demons. Right. My demons have no control over and me anymore. Some, this last battle I has gotcha. some good stuff in it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like, um, they have my, my favorite line, um, mm-hmm. which is when uh, Big Ben says, damn, come back from the grave and run out of ammunition. It's good. That's fine. Um, they have like a good gag where um, he opens the door to the kitchen and it's like a cliff that falls down yeah. into the ocean and he gets this cool idea to uh, take his belt yeah. and like wrap his belt around Big Ben's arm and pull him down mm-hmm. so he'll crash below. Um, but yes, he does this like you can't hurt me thing. Mm-hmm. But the house has hurt him consistently through this entire movie and like uh-huh. physically like he shows the scars to George Went like right. it scratched me. It's actually physically hurting me. Well, because he believed it could. So like that part I got, you know, and I and I feel like, you know, in that sense, you're like, okay, well, the little kid would be afraid of Ben. So right. that's why the little kid isn't, is, is, you know, allowed to be trapped and things like this. But I guess then that's when it gets confusing again to me because the aunt seems from the beginning to be like, oh, no, it's the house. The house is evil. The house can do stuff. Right. So she seems totally clued in on it. And yet she totally hangs herself 
or she's killed by the house by a seeming fake suicide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't. So Big Ben has been keeping his kid in this cage for this entire time. That's what we're right. To leave. That's okay. what we're supposed to leave. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so then uh, sure. he he bests bests his demons, exercises mm-hmm. his demons, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, his his sassy soap opera wife comes comes back and, and the music when they're like reunited with her son. Oh yeah. Kill me movie. And, but, and, and unexpectedly, the movie ends on a happy William Cat freeze frame. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy cat freeze frame. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, this is, you know, like we're saying, they're all, they all kind of go about it in a little different way. I feel like, sort of similar to Waxwork, I like a lot of the actors in this movie, and I feel like some of them are do a, a good enough job where if you just kind of like left them to their devices, like they will bring the comedy out of it mm-hmm. much in a way that like Griffin Dunn and David Naughton did where you're like, they got it. Yeah. Don't, don't even worry about it. Um, but this movie I think really wants us to think it's a lot funnier than it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's so over the top, distractingly so with like these bits and these gags and these right. sounds and stuff. And then with the premise, I think the biggest flaw of all is the premise is just not clear. Yeah. Like a house knowing what your demons are and using them against you. Fantastic. Gotcha. Um, but it's just, it's, it's weird. It's just yeah. not, it's not clear. And it's just, it's too many questions. Yeah. Yeah. Over a seemingly simple premise. Sure. You well, know? I mean, this is the problem I have with, um, there's a lot of horror that kind of, and this is unusual for Fred Decker. And this is why, you know, like Fred Decker, you know, wrote the story, but not the screenplay. I think if he had written the screenplay, it probably would have been a little sharper. Because mm-hmm. I think like Fred Decker's a really smart guy who mm-hmm. writes really sh- snappy dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this, it's unusual for him to have a film where, and, you know, he just did the story. He didn't do the whole thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, like there's to not have it be clear. Yeah. You know, like I think horror needs to treat its audience that the, like they're smart. And I mm-hmm. think that the horror movies that that are not as good are the ones that feel like the horror audience doesn't care. Yeah. And it's like, I totally care. Yeah. You need to have it make sense for me. And then like, I, yeah. it's going to all go from there. Yeah. Or maybe they think like, well, if we just keep throwing in funny comedy gags, uh, blah, 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 blah. But right. like, no, it still, it matters. It definitely matters. Cause we still want to see like, what is the character's conflict and how is he going to overcome it? And also what is the deal in your world? And but uh, I love William Cat and oh, he's, sure. he's, he's hot. I like, <laughs> I like watching him with the shirt off and his deep V neck sweat. The deep V. Um, yeah, no. So, I mean, there's definitely entertaining things, but you know, you know, maybe not so much. Um, so gore factor, um, we have one through five. One is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. Um, and we gave this a one and a half. Okay. I can stand by that. Yeah. Somewhere between not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup and a puddle of blood. It's not really bloodtastic. No. The, the, there's lots of creature effects, but yeah. they're not necessarily bloody ones. Yeah. I don't think I looked away once in this movie. So, hey, I mean, right. that's got to be one and a half territory. Okay. Uh, so the, for the movie ratings, we have one to five chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualify, barely qualifies <laughs> as a horror film, three <laughs> seen better, seen worse, four not too shabby, and five fantastic gorgo. And uh, we both gave this film a two and a half. So it is um, barely qualifies as a horror film. A little bit more than that. A so little it bit more. Just qualifies. And I as think horror. I'm giving it just that little extra bit, honestly, for the creatures. Yeah, because the creatures were solid. Yeah. Um, and there's, and again, in a different movie, you're like, all right. I feel like some of these creatures are sort of in kind of dead alive territory. Where yeah, you're they like, are. Okay. But man, just used a much better effect mm-hmm. in a different film. Yeah. Well, I'm. We have uh, three more house films to watch. So you <laughs> do know. we? Well, 
We Somebody do. does, and you let me know how they turn out. <laughs> well, House Two is in the book, my friend. So that's we're going to get to eventually. That's true. With like George and... Went is our leading man, so that's always I mean, a good thing. That's something for you. But yeah, three and four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, next week we will be talking about the seminal Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. So we're going from one Sean S. Cunningham to another. We are. Yeah, that's a great segue. I like him. Uh-huh. I like. I like that guy. But that's the beginning of the beginning of like one of the all-time lengthiest franchises Oof. of all time. Man, in the world. is it so many? But the the the, the original's killer. It is in more ways than one. And not what I expected. Like this is again one that I came into extremely late in the game, as I want to do. And uh, yeah, it is not at all what I thought it was going to be. So. So yeah. So talk, let us us talk about Friday the Thirteenth next week. Thanks for listening to us talk about house this week. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. We will see you next week. Bye.